So here's my theory on this. Tell me everything. It has nothing. It's not what you think. Okay. We love Madison. I love Madison. I know you love Madison. Yeah. I don't think Madison would love us. And I think that's totally fine. It's just the nature of the gig. And he cares so much and he lives in my heart. But I don't think he'd be he'd be all too thrilled to know that we're doing this. Mm. Madison, we love you. Hey, Patrick Hines. Um, you guys, welcome to True Crime Obsessed, the podcast where we recap true crime documentaries. Oh, are we? Okay, great. Is, this is all, so welcome, new people. If you're new, is that what this is? Because yeah. it's like, am I just a spectator? Are you doing something with somebody else? What's? I just feel like we've gotten some new listeners lately, and just a reminder of what we do here, girl. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny that you say a reminder, just bold over laughing, because that's kind of the vibe. There's a lot of laughter coming from your end of the FaceTime, and a lot exactly. of rage coming from this one. So I guess welcome. That's what we do. And hey, you guys, if you want more of that, find us on the Patreon, where we have over 150 full bonus episodes for you to download a binge right this second, you guys. Uh, it's where we do our series. So, you know, it's, um, I forgot all the names of the series, girl. Uh, Tiger King and Don't F with Cats, The Jinx and uh, The Staircase and I'll Be Gone in the Dark and Lorena and Menendez Brothers or Murders? Uh, the Menendez Murders. Oh, oh, we're, okay. So we're right in the middle of a wilderness of error on FX and we are then covering Night stalker on netflix yes. and it's all like those everything where you're like you know if this is four five six episodes i really wish they'd cover it if we haven't already i assure you it's on the list <laughs> but wait there's more yes and free versions of these apps yes we do some after parties we do some zoom hangs sometimes we send you stuff in the mail we've been giving advice on the after parties lately <laughs> for whatever that's worth and also you guys join the facebook group it's uh-huh. true crime obsessed podcast discussion group come find your true crime fam get in there make some friends share your memes celebrate your successes talk about the episodes it's kind of the place to be on the internet if you ask me yeah like it's a place where you could say bears are gonna bear and people will say i know exactly what you mean. <laughs> oh my god girl all right what are we talking about today we're talking about murder on middle beach so we're doing the first two episodes in this episode and then our second episode covering episodes three and four of Murder on Middle Beach are on Lady Pates right this minute, correct? You guys, that's right. So this episode is going to be this week's regular episode. The second half of our coverage of this is on Patreon right now, ad-free at the $5 level where it'll be for the full week. It'll also be our regular episode next week. Right. Episodes one and two of Murder on Middle Beach right now. Yes. And the second episode of our coverage is episodes three and four. People get confused. People ask look check your dms girls they get worried we're covering all four episodes we would never ever in a million years leave you hanging and just do the first two episodes people ask telling you Hello. So I've been working on like a documentary about mom and I wanted to ask if you'd be willing to be interviewed about it I'm not sure I could talk about things what do you mean there's obviously more to the story than any of us really know. Barbara Hamburg was found dead on her lawn in 2010. This is where I found my sister murdered. Why would someone want to kill my mom? Somebody knows something. When your mother was murdered, they confiscated her computer. We saw all this business of the gifting table thing. It was a pyramid scheme that they were running. Your mother was in a big way as a leader. It got out of control. Something was very wrong, and it scared her. 
all I know is that at the end of the day, there's nothing you can do. Some people can snap. I don't care who it is. It could be any of us that you're talking to. Hey. Can I ask you about what happened to my mom? Your mother had secrets. Dark secrets. What the? There's a rift in our family. Who would do this? The only person I know that didn't is me. Maybe whoever you speak to. Did you have anything to do with the murder? Hi. Might get a conscience. Girl, we're starting with episode one. It's called Mom's Dead. And I just went, whoa, what a title. Which is like, it's called Murder on Middle Beach. So I know. <laughs> I know. But wait, I have one other observation to make right at the top. What? This comes from years and years of being a homosexual, I'm sure. For other people, it's something else. But you know that static that HBO does, like, right before they do, like... The... Yeah, like, what show do you hear? I hear Sex in the City. Is that not the same for everybody? I'm sure for you, it's, like, The Sopranos or whatever. Uh, yeah, Soprano or whatever season of The Wire. Yeah, yes. but that's, like, a meme. If you go on Twitter, it's, like, show your age by showing, like, what... What show are you triggered by when you hear? <laughs> so here's the thing about this this series. It is so beautifully done and it is so emotional because Madison, it's his mom who's been murdered. And he's like our narrator director. And our filmmaker here. So yeah. there are a lot of scenes that are very emotional and, and very important. But we're going to cover the stuff that really jumps out to us, I think. Is that the right way to say it, you think? Yeah, it's like, you know, there's a lot of quiet moments in this and it's what makes it so beautiful. But it's like... This is one of those where we're not recapping the whole thing. We are going to go moment to moment that we want to talk about. You need to be told by another person to go watch this. Go watch this. Yeah. Are you one of the many people who wasn't clamoring for us to do this? Then get on it. (laughs) So it opens on March 3rd, 2010, and we get a lot of news footage right at the top. Madison police and state police have been out at this home at 44 Middle Beach Road since about 1130. Here's what we do know. A woman in her late 40s was found injured in her yard. She was pronounced dead at the scene. Police are not releasing the victim's name, but News Channel 8 has learned that a woman named Barbara Hamburg rents the house. This is the thing that makes me fucking crazy. The news is like, police aren't releasing the name, but News Channel fucking 5 or whatever has found out that the woman's name is Barbara Hamburg. And I'm like, you guys, there is a reason why they're not releasing the name. Like, imagine you're Madison or his sister Allie, and this is how you find out that your mother is dead. For any news director who doesn't know, that's why the police don't release the name, girl. Breaking news from Channel 5 fucking live. I think that's how you... <laughs> the murder is, and we'll get into this a hundred times, but it's a very personal murder. Yeah. She was stabbed 18 times, and we get a lot of descriptions of people from the family discovering her body. But what we hear a lot was that this is a crime of passion. People don't get murdered and that brutally without it being a very personal thing. It had to have been someone she knew, right? That's the thing, too, about this documentary, is that it's Madison making a documentary about his family and his mother's murder. So we meet everybody in the family. We meet the sweet grandma, who I'm obsessed with. I love her, also named Barbara. Can I do something about the names? Madison is the son, who's the filmmaker. This also takes place in Madison, Connecticut. Madison, girl, did they name you after the town? I'd like some information here. No, because I think they moved there. It's just a coincidence? It's just 
I think so. <laughs> so it's like Barbara is is Madison's mom, and his grandmother's name is Barbara. His sister is Barbara, but we call her Allie because that's her middle name. Yes. And they also live on Middle Beach Road. But Barbara, the victim, Madison's mom, her maiden name is Beach. So we hear right. Barbara Hamburg, Madison Hamburg. So it's Madison Hamburg from Madison, Connecticut. His mom is Barbara Beach Hamburg, and it's called Murder on Middle Beach. If you're still with us, congratulations. <laughs> but wait, Madison, you're, this isn't going to make any sense to you girl if this is your first episode listening to us oh. we got, we're not gonna make a hamburg reference you guys remember this from the prison break this is your turf i'm gonna let you have it i was introduced to hamburg the food yes. product by yes. you <laughs> my mom called like a loose hamburger meat hamburg and that came up in the uh prison break episode and so i'm just saying there's a lot of callbacks going on here but i want everyone to pull over this is going to be your first opportunity to pull over because conway beach is here everybody okay i'm rubbing <laughs> my face already. Conway, how how do we describe Conway? I don't really like Conway. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Conway's been through fucking hell in her life. I agree. And like, we have four episodes of this, you guys. And I gotta tell you, like, I don't know. She, she wears on me. That's how I'm gonna describe Conway. Conway is a lot of things. Let's explain. Conway is Madison's aunt and the deceased Barbara's sister. And she's also the one who found Barbara's body. Yes. Look, she's had a really hard life, but she's not doing herself any favors in a a couple of moments in this docuseries. Yes, and continues to do so. So Conway, who found Barbara, the deceased, is sort of telling us about her injuries, and it's really terrible. She was stabbed. She had a terrible head wound. Her carotid artery was stabbed. They say it was 18 times. So speaking of people we don't really like all that much, enter Jill Platt. Her lower third is my great aunt. Your mother had secrets, so I don't know. She didn't share all of her secrets with me, but I always knew she had secrets that were that were dark secrets because she had this way of breathing and smiling that um, to me, it was a cover up for something that was very heavy in her heart. So Jill Platt married in to this family. She's like his aunt-in-law. She, he's, she's not his aunt by blood. Right, and we will have a lot more to say about Jill, you guys. And Jill does it to herself, as I does know. Conway. So again, if you're new here, our job is to comment on the documentaries. That's our job. Madison, don't get mad. That's our job, girl. That's our job. <laughs> I'm going to thank you in advance for that underpants shot that we get to later. We'll get to it. It's coming up kind of soon. I know. Are you okay? I <laughs> I'm really, I'm really okay. Madison, I don't mean to objectify you. You're going through a thing and your documentary is beautiful. Well, there's a whole Reddit thread about how much he looks like Zac Efron. For sure. He really does. Madison, we're not the first people to tell you that you look like Zac Efron, girl. <laughs> I'm not the first gay to sidle up to you at a bar and be like, hey, handsome, guess who I think you look like? Yeah, and also, that's a whole different, that's an after party of just like, here's how to handle yourself in a bar if you find someone attractive. Here's what to do. Yes. Here's what not to do. Here's how to not get totally. an elbow in the ring. So Madison starts making this documentary for a school project. So he's sort of like going around interviewing everybody in his family. And he goes to Virginia to interview his grandmother. And she meets him at the door. And she just reminded me of me anytime I haven't seen Daisy in five minutes. Hi, Grammy. You don't want me. Hi, sweetness. How's my dear grandson? Yeah, are you? Oh, it's good to see you, honey bunch. Mm-hmm. 
the poor guy looks like he's about to suffocate and she I just know. cannot get enough of kissing him. She's such a grandma and she's so sweet and she's so kind. Yeah. And remember, she is talking to her grandson about the murder of her daughter. And his mother. Yeah, it's terrible. Just the context of it. And she's so kind and warm and she's like, I hope you get a good grade on this. And he's like, it's like that a little <laughs> bit more than that. And I say this with all the love in my heart. She's one of those people who's like, so where can I watch your podcast? I and know, like, yes, she's yes, just a yes, sweetheart. Yes. But she's also <laughs> very honest. Like she, she doesn't really revise history. Sometimes when people go through tragedy, they look back and everything was fine and lovely. And yeah. she's very honest. And I really appreciate that about her. And so she says, look. Well, you grew up with a silver spoon, you know. You had everything you needed, wanted. You lived in a beautiful house. Then you had the house in Connecticut. That was the summer house for a while. They tried to educate you, send you to the best schools. There were nannies and chauffeurs. You grew up with a silver spoon in your mouth. You wanted for nothing. Right. So now we're going to go in and we're going to talk about Jeff, the dad, Madison's father, the husband of Barbara our victim. Yes. And he's a dick. So we can just say that right He's the fucking worst. Oh, there's there's no complicated feelings about this guy here. Oh my God, does he suck. Except for, for Madison, the poor kid. Like, oh my God. We'll get we'll get there. But the dad is su- I'm like, I had a shitty dad, right? There are shitty dads, and then there's this guy. Like this yeah. guy is next level fucking dirtbag. Yeah, textbook narcissist, just like the worst. And so we learned that, you know, Jeff started traveling a lot for work question mark like Barbara was left alone with the kids all the time and she felt like she was a single mom and she felt very abandoned and so eventually Barbara Madison's mom files for a divorce against Jeff and so after this happened of course like he had all the money in the world until the divorce papers were signed and that he wasn't paying child support there wasn't any money there was no anything and so Jill Aunt Jill even says the anger that your father had over your mother ending the marriage came out and not supporting her uh, physically. He just wanted to impoverish her. It seemed like a goal that he had set for himself. So two days after the murder, the police hold a press conference and they're like, yeah, you know that dick dad who like has been horrible to his wife? We're super looking for that guy. Can't find him anywhere, girl. At this time, we're seeking to uh, locate her former husband, Jeffrey Hamburg, date of birth 8548. He's a white male, six feet tall, with hazel eyes. Last known addresses in West Hartford, Connecticut, Timberwood Road. They're like, there's a statewide manhunt. So if anyone, like, any deets you got. Yeah, and it's like everyone is saying that, like, he is a prime suspect, obviously, because he's the ex-husband. He stood to lose the most. Mm -hmm. And this is where we learned that on the day of the murder, there was a big court case. And he owed so much money to the family. To Barbara alone, he owed, like, $150. $50,000 to the kids in child support over $300,000 and Madison is interviewing the mom's defense lawyer who's saying like your father had been ordered and had promised to make certain payments either your dad showed up with the money or I'd be asking the court to find him in contempt uh, of the court's orders and incarcerate him until he until he paid. So, like, it makes sense that if Barbara is murdered that day, this case kind of goes away. Right. So the dad and his lawyer and Barbara's divorce lawyer were at the courthouse. Right. Barbara didn't show up. And so Madison says, hey, divorce lawyer, was my dad acting weird in any way? Like, was he acting suspicious? Like, maybe he yeah. just, like, committed a murder or, like, had someone hired to kill my mom? And the lawyer is being so lawyery and trying 
trying so hard to like help Madison, but not like slander or yeah. libel or whatever. I don't know whether I could say that there was a change in his demeanor, but there was no complaint to me from him or his lawyer saying, where's your client? Why isn't she here? And that is what struck me. The tone I got was like, your dad was a dick and complained about everything. And yeah. today when your mom was late, he wasn't like running his mouth about how late your mom was. That was weird. And in case we haven't driven this point home, the reason she's late is because she's been murdered. Right. And they're saying it's weird that they're not complaining about it as in like, did they maybe already know that she was dead? Right. Like to even ask like, where is she? Like, where's your client? Right. I got to go. Like, I, I'm, I'm annoyed to be here anyway. Like just checking in on where this guy's client was. <laughs> So it's March 17th, 2010. It's two weeks after the murder. And Madison's dad, like Barbara's ex-husband, has to appear in court for like nothing related to the murder. He's just appearing in court for like more child support shit because he's a fucking dirtbeat. He's a dirt, he's a dirtbag dead. He's a derpy, dirtbag, deadbeat dad. Is that a new vocal warm-up for the Broadway people? He's those things. But, like, everyone is saying that, like, what's significant about this is that he had refused to talk to the police. Remember there was a nationwide manhunt for him? Yeah, and then they just found him, and he was like, oh, what, me? Like, this guy sucks. The dad from day one, if you didn't do this, just go clear your name. I know. Give your alibi and get the fuck out of there. Because they never file a case against him. Like, he's a suspect through all four episodes, but the cops never have enough to charge him, you know? Right. The point is this guy fucking sucks. But this is another one of those cases where they say like everything just went badly and like the next shitty thing we learn about is that there was all like these ethics issues and corruption in the local police department Uh girl can we talk about some of the shit these cops got in trouble for i was like wait what i didn't believe what i heard and i didn't believe what i read on the closed captions i was like they did what so the madison police department was a fucking mess julia goes they did what hold on you'll agree with me in a second if you if you haven't watched this documentary they were like going to the salad bar at Red Lobster, like stealing seafood. Officers were allegedly meeting with prostitutes, frequenting strip clubs and massage parlors, and establishing a motorcycle gang. Madison police officer is stripped of his badge. Suspended and arrested for abusing police data. Charged with stealing seafood from a restaurant. Now accused of stealing gasoline from the town pump. They were stealing gas from, quote, the town pump, which is not the gay bar. <laughs> Stealing seafood from restaurants. They were caught at like massage joints and visiting sex workers, which yes. honestly should probably be more legalized. Whatever. Not the not the soapbox. Wait, I'm sorry. Can we talk about you? <laughs> the town pump. That is the best name for a gay bar. If that gay bar does not exist in Madison, I'm opening it the second quarantine is lifted. Look, take that copyright or trademark with my compliments. <laughs> You guys, it's two for one at the town pump. And the way they say it, they were like stealing the seafood and the town pump and the sex workers. And I'm like, wait, I know. what the fuck is going on in sleepy Madison, rich ass Connecticut? What's happening? But also promise me that Madison, Connecticut has more than one gas pump. Like, do you all get your water from the town well as well? Are you all washing your clothes in the river? That was what I looked at. I was like, wait, they said town pump. And I went back the 10 seconds. Thank you, HBO. And I saw, no, the closed caption said the town pump. Okay, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Oh, and also there's no DNA from this case because the cops just kind of lost it. We were asked as a family to wait to run the DNA because apparently there was a new DNA lab being built and it was going to be the best. So we waited for this new DNA lab to be built. 
they ran the DNA and um, the DNA kit was faulty. And this goes back to like an, I mean, like I could go down a rabbit hole with this. Connecticut at the time was building this like top of the line DNA lab. And we've actually come across it before in the Jean Bonnet episode. It's Henry (gasps) Lee's DNA lab. That's the same one? It's the same lab, but I think it got off to a very rocky start because they had DNA, but they went to test it at this lab and it all got destroyed. Or so we say the DNA evidence in this case, we'll get more into it later. It's a little bit like, wait, they do have it or no, or they don't have it. Like it's very like there's no definitive answer so speaking of these corrupt cops madison (laughs) is like dying to talk to them to try to get some information right and so they're like well we can't really talk to you about this because it's an open case however if you want to come in and be interrogated by us we would happily (laughs) allow that there is so much of that with these fucking cops where it's like we aren't going to give you anything but wait you say you're making a documentary and you're interviewing everybody that matters in this case maybe you could just give us all of that for nothing in return because they're like you know sometimes people are hesitant to talk to the police but they're, they're more than willing to tell you something uh that we don't know well, maybe they wouldn't talk to us, the cops, but they'd probably talk to you and then not think that the cops would ever hear it. So, yeah, right. can we have all that audio? And by the way, the cops are totally right. <laughs> right. And they're shitty. And you know I hate giving shitty people any credit at all. But, like, yeah. they're right to say, like, well, of course they're going to talk to this kid, their nephew, right. their whatever. So Madison immediately is like... Yeah, I'll talk to them. And then talks to a member of his crew. And I love everyone Madison has working around him. I think Madison has good people around him, which I think is very important. And they're all like film students. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. in the beginning of this, they're all like working on a school project together. Like these kids are really in it to win it. And as it expands years and they just get better and better and better. But anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Something very important is about to happen. So Madison goes, well, what if? Just saying. And he's talking to, I think, us, but he's really the friend behind the camera. He doesn't know if we could do an interview, but, like, what if um, I'm, I'm going in for questioning on Friday? What if I, like, brought in the recorder? Risky. You guys, Madison is going to secretly record the cops on his phone. And, you know, Rabia always tells us that, like, it just depends on what state you're in. If it's a one-party consent state, like, most places, both parties have to agree to be recorded in order to be able to use it anywhere. I don't know the deal with Connecticut, but Madison is like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. And Madison's not trying to put it in court. He just wants to put it in the documentary so that other, like, moves can be made in the legal system. So Madison does one super garbagey thing. Do you know what it is? What? Madison betrays us in a pretty major way just for a minute. He goes in, he sits down with the cops. We're hearing the audio. And the cops are saying to us, like, the day that your mom was murdered, what were you doing that day? Do you remember any more about what you did that day? Or I went to Chick-fil-A. I didn't go to class that day. Or so I'm told. And he says, well, I went to Chick-fil-A. I didn't go to class. Oh, my God, the Chick-fil-A thing. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Madison, I'm going to assume that some gay at SCAD where you went to college has schooled you. You don't go to Chick-fil-A anymore, no. right, Madison? No. I got to tell you that's a deal breaker. Anybody who listens to this podcast, you got to stop listening if you're a chick fil a <laughs> I, I agree. I've never had Chick-fil-A. I, I, I never will. I know it's like a, a staple in certain states. Fuck it. You can get yeah. whatever you want and get cool, like, whole homemade sauce whatever they hate the gays they hate women fuck them stop going to chick-fil-a stop it stop it's so simple madison we are yes we are yelling at you that's it you you eventually take your pants off in this episode so you get me back but in this moment i was a little upset (laughs) 
you get me back. Like, <laughs> it doesn't take much. If you ever get in a fight with me, just take your pants off. It doesn't matter the gender. Oh, I was going to say, does that apply to me? I guess because you'd be so shocked. Like, girl, what are you doing? Why is this happening to me? As I'm slowly unbuttoning my black jeans. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? So we hear this whole interview with him and the cops. Mm-hmm. My favorite part of it is when they're asking Madison about his dad. Like, do you think your dad could have actually done this? And he's like, I've never seen him be violent towards anyone. Controlling? He's very controlling and manipulative and selfish. The way Madison says this, his voice suddenly gets heavier. Like, yeah. you believe he is controlling and manipulative and selfish. Totally. They ask Madison, like, and we'll get into this later, but this idea of, like, the offshore right, bank yeah. accounts and all this craziness. Yeah. And Madison is like, I don't know anything about that. And Madison realizes, I really don't know anything about my dad. And, like, my dad won't talk to me about the murder of my mother. And... <sighs> I'm going to go talk to my dad. Yeah. We get a whole bunch of these throughout this documentary. And Madison, they're great. Like, keep them all. I'm just saying we're not going to go through every single one because they're the same every fucking time. But, like, Madison calls his dad. And, like, you know my dad thing. You know that my dad was my mom's girlfriend, Terry. That's the only father I've ever known. And so dads terrify me. So I'm not afraid of this fucking dirtbag dad. I just hate him. And I feel very seen and validated for why I don't like dads. He is the worst. All capital. All the letters are drawn out, underlined, bolded, highlighted. And the thing to point out for these conversations is that his dad does not know he's being recorded. So his dad is letting his, like, dick flag fly. Mm -hmm. Like, not even considering that it's going to be in a documentary and then some queen's going to be screaming about it on a podcast. Even though the dick dad doesn't think he's being recorded, he doesn't say anything anything like even if he thinks it's just like my son wanting a little bit of information or some kind of comfort to talk about his murdered mother he will just say like yeah i can't i can't there's no way Uh, sorry about that what is what's like the main reason you can't i just can't discuss it it's just it's it's an unqualified no so Nope, nope, nope. And also that he's like not on the phone. And Madison eventually is like, do you do you want this case to get solved? Madison, I'm not going to answer any more questions about it. Or at this point, at this point, I cannot answer any more questions. At this point, I honestly, in my honest opinion, don't know if you want this case to be solved. These conversations are so telling, but they are absolutely infuriating. And I can't like, yes. k- like kudos to Madison for keeping his calm in this yes. because I think he's just so hurt and bewildered. Like, why won't he talk? Like, it makes no sense. Like, why won't you care about any of this? And he's just stonewalling his son. This kid's mom was murdered when he was 18 years old. Madison just has questions. He just wants to know about his mother. I'm going to say this one time. I don't think this is the case, but I'm going to just put this out there just in case. We hear conversations like this where the dad refuses to get into anything having to do with the mom or the murder like four or five times. And there is a small little tiny piece of me that is like, is he Severus Snape? Is he actually doing that to protect Madison, not to protect himself? Is there information that the dad has about either the mom or the murder that he doesn't want to share with Madison because it would actually be worse for him to know it? I don't really think that that's the case, but maybe that's a possibility. Uh, no. (laughs) 
You want to know why? And, and I would have been with you on that. And also, Severus Snape is a dick. Like, all of this, like, <laughs> romanticized J.K. Rowling fucking sucks. Like, all of that. And look, I'm a Ravenclaw. Whatever. I call it like I see it. But Daisy, by the way, I just got to point this out. Daisy is 100% Slytherin. There's no question about it. Daisy is Slytherin. Oh, she is Slytherin to a T, which is not bad. Totally. But if the dad didn't all but say, like, on the advice of counsel, I can't talk to you, my yeah, son. Totally. And again, he doesn't think he's being recorded. It's just his son saying, Dad, I want to talk to you about this traumatic thing that happened to me. And the dad's like, well, yeah. on the advice of counsel, I can't really say anything further. Like, come on. And I got to say, Madison's such a good dude and, like, a good kid because they still end this call amicably. I guess I got to, I have other things I got to do today. Okay. They end this one amicably. Hold tight, everybody. So Madison realizes, wait, remember when I met with the cops and was secretly recording them? Maybe I can do the same thing with my dad. Like maybe he's being a little cagey because he thinks he's being recorded. If I can get him to meet with me at some bar in Brooklyn and I can, quote, prove to him that it's just between us and I'm secretly recording him, like maybe he'll open up a little bit. Get ready, everybody. The pants are coming off. Pants, pants are, are coming, coming off. off. It's all over. The part, Or maybe the party's just starting. I'm sorry. I take it back. When the pants come off, the party has just begun. So what happens is, like, he agrees to go see his dad. And, like, they are such smart filmmakers and, like, young kids. What they do is they, I don't know how they scouted this location. This is, like, everyone take notes, like, from henceforth. I know. So Madison and his dad are at a bar. And they find this bar where it's, like, all windows, basically. So you can, like, see in from the outside. Yeah. The reason we know this is because the camera angle is from across the street in some... I don't know, apartment, hotel, whatever. But like they had to find a place that they could rent across the street from a bar with windows? Like how did they find this place? Or is it so perfect that Madison's friend, oh, I live across the street from this bar and you can look into it. (laughs) Whatever it is, the camera crew is like comfy and cozy and with the best technology ever because we hear it. I mean, we don't hear it that great, but we hear it better than any security camera we've ever seen in any documentary we've covered. Totally. Madison is trying like in vain to say like, if you could say something to mom, what would you say? To your mother? Yeah. Nothing to say there. You're a divorce. You're a divorce. I have nothing to say there. And the dad's like, no. Like, we were divorced, and I, I have no emotion. I have nothing to say. I guess we're not going to go through the moment where they mic him up. We talked about how that's when the party starts, when the pants come off. <laughs> but if you need... Go ahead, girl. If you want to take it, go ahead. We have three more episodes to go through, but I'll let you have your moment. What would you like to say? He takes his pants off. I'm just saying Madison has to put the mic in a place where his dad's not going to, like, feel it by hugging him. So Madison takes his pants off. Right. And they tape it around his leg. Loop it, and then you can tape it somewhere. Talk. <laughs> Madison has also, this is not gross. This is just me making an observation. Madison has very hairy legs and they are taping this thing around his hairy leg. It's not going to be fun later. It's not going to be fun later. (laughs) Then like immediately after this, we just get a phone call with the two of them, with Madison and his dad. And this is how the first episode ends. It's like, you know, we learn all of this shit. The dad is like, I know your aunt's been very good to you, but they were both involved in the other possibility. Anyway, I don't want to talk about it because it'll be disparaging about your mother and I don't want to talk ill about the dead. I know her family wants to make me a villain and that's fine and I'll live with that. But they should really look at themselves because your mom was into some crazy shit. If you want to know more about your mom, look at something called the gifting tables. Look at your Aunt Jill. Look at Conway. And Madison is like, what the 
what? Like, what are you saying? <laughs> and that's how the first episode ends. And I'm, of course, like, what are gifting tables sitting on the couch with Mike? And I Google it. And I'm like, how many days until exactly a week from now till we learn about these fucking gifting tables? What is going on? And meanwhile, I just have in my notes, oh, we're back at the apartment and Madison has his pants off again. Right. And meanwhile, I'm like, Mike, get the Goog machine. To teach me everything about gifting tables. I know. And with that, we're on to episode two, Murder on Middle Beach, Tables and Rooms. So we're listening to the Mary Jones show. And this... <laughs> Who is Mary Jones and why does she get a show? I don't know, but I want to know the other Mary on that call because we, we jump back in time a lot. But it opens with this guy on the radio. A gifting table, that's right. And I had a friend involved in it in the beginning. I would just hear her on the phone talking about uh, soup and salad and appetizers and entrees and dessert. One time I said, am I ever going to get an invitation to this event you're planning? She said, no, this is a women's empowerment group. It's just for women. Pretend you never heard that. And she turned to me, Mary, do you know what she said to me? She said, you zip it. <laughs> this is a women's empowerment group. You are not invited. To which I say, fuck, it's an MLM. Right. <laughs> women's empowerment and a secret and coverts? Give me a break. We're all in for it now. Ugh. It's a women's empowerment group. Oh, my God. So, remember Aunt Jill from the first episode? Yes. This is Jill's time to shine, you guys. Aunt Jill is here to tell us all about what the gifting tables were. We had we had dinner parties once a week, and everybody would really get dressed and put on uh, their best clothes and makeup and jewelry, and and we just had a great time. It was just a club. It's a mix of, like, The Vow meets The Stepford Wives. This is why the gifting tables are fascinating to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just rich people not knowing what to do with their money at the start, <laughs> right? Like, they're just like, I don't, yeah. what do we, do you have, like, $5,000 to burn? But it's also, like, they are so aware that it's illegal, and they are so bad at trying to hide the fact that it's illegal. And that's yeah. how we get that it's, like, a gifting table. It's a pyramid scheme. So what it is is that, like, you get invited to this dinner party. Everyone gets dressed to the nines. I was a little bit like, I was a little sad to not have been invited if I'm being honest. Oh girl, we have better things to do. I want to be able to wear my Converse because they were like, it was all women and they were also lying to their husbands or whatever. Or they were told that they couldn't tell their husbands anything. Like that's right. the big thing. It's a secret. And the way that it works is that mm -hmm. when you're invited for the first time, you show up with $5,000. You joined with a $5,000 gift to a woman. That put you in a bottom row position, which we had called appetizers. And then you were asked to find one or two people, preferably two, to follow you. And then you, as an appetizer, moved up to the next level, which we call the soup and salad level. You start bringing in people under you, and they bring in money, and they bring in people under them. And as you move up and up and up, you eventually get to the, quote, dessert course, where you get all of the money that was brought to the party. And then it's over, and then it starts again, which is interesting. Right. Like, that's different than, like, the MLMs that we've known about, where it's just, like, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. And it's important to point out that this could be up to, like, $40,000 a pop. Like, it's a dinner party where, like, eight women are there for the first time. They're all bringing $5,000. And if you're on the dessert course, that money is all going to you. Let's walk through it, right? I'm a soup and salad. Right. <laughs> I invite you. Yeah. You're an appetizer, right? Yeah. So the, the appetizers are the lowest. Then you graduate to a soup and salad course. Then you become an entree. Yeah. And then at the top of the pyramid is one woman, and she's the dessert. And then you're in the position to actually receive the eight gifts. Five times eight, $40,000. Dessert is receiving. That's when you 
get you just desserts. And then that's it. And then it starts all over again. And then eventually, like I call you and I'm like, girl, you want to be an appetizer? All you need is five grand. And then eventually your goal is to become a dessert. Right. And then you have a crew that then recruits and recruits and recruits. But their whole thing is like, well, it's a gift. So we're not recruiting. And also we call it like appetizers and salads. So it's not actually an illegal MLM. Yeah. And that's the thing. They have all these code words. And one of the people interviewed here, Jill's son is like, they were exercising what they thought was a tax loophole. They're essentially mini pyramids, more or less. They thought they were exploiting a tax loophole. They were just not declaring money on their taxes. But I wanted, I just got to mention that like somebody tells us that uh -huh. when they would have a party and there would be a dessert there, the person getting all the money, they'd get really creative. It reminded me of those shitty like gender reveals, which I don't agree with, or some <laughs> baby shower where you have to put all the like ribbons from the gifts on your head or something. Some stupid shit that I never subscribe to. But wait, I got to tell you, like I'm such a basic bitch. I would love this shit. You somebody invite me to this. I want to do this. No, but it's bad. Do you need to know why it's bad? It's a no. bad idea. <laughs> and so we get into like who is invited, yeah. why and how. And this is where we learn that Madison's mom, Barbara, our victim here, she was in AA. Yes. And she was great at AA. And I loved hearing about this. Your mother was the most enthusiastic newcomer that I've ever known. She was magnetic, alive and compelling and a joy to be around. She made a lot of friends and she was a great sponsor and everything was awesome. But the thing about AA is that like you have to be focused on the program or AA or NA or whatever. And so Barbara was recruiting. I know we're not supposed to use that word, but I'm not in a fucking gifting table. So I'm going to use the, what it actually is. Right. <laughs> you know, Madison acknowledges this about his mom. This is a bad move. She was recruiting people from AA who are trying to get back on their feet or just trying to focus on the program and sort of dangling this $5,000 in front of their face. And like, that's just not a nice thing or a smart thing to do. No. And like my mom was in AA. My mom still is in AA. My mom's coming on like 40 years or whatever. So I oh know the program. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, you do not do this. No. You know, like Barb is the victim and we don't blame victims, but like she shouldn't have done this. Right. And it gets really, really bad. Like people in the program can be very vulnerable. This was a very bad idea. That's why they tell you like, don't date for the first year that you're in the program. Yeah. Like just work on you and just focus on yourself. Don't focus on how am I going to get the five grand? for these fucking Karens in Connecticut for their party. <laughs> like, that's not the goal of AA. No. But wait, is it time to talk about Donna Bello? I mean, it, she has arrived. Here we are. Donna Bello. I mean, the time has never been more appropriate, honestly. And a name has never been more appropriate. I posted this picture in the Facebook group today because Madison shows up at this woman's home when she sits down for the interview. First of all, she's primping and primping. She's like this, like, you know, 50s-ish woman. She's beautiful, whatever. She's sitting down on this like chaise couch. Like a fainting couch. Like an actual fainting totally. couch. And she's holding her like 75 pound poodle. Just like holding the dog on her lap like a baby. And I have to say like, I think you and I felt very seen as much as she's totally garbage. Donna, I'll say that to your face. But like, she was just like, do I look okay? And Madison was like, it's fine. I'm talking about my murdered mother. It's not really about I, you. I know. But she was like, any double chin? Like anything? Am I okay? I cannot tell if Donna is gaslighting us or if she really believes this. Oh, she believes her own bullshit. She 100% yeah. believes her own bullshit. And in a way, I can kind of get behind it. Like, she's saying, like... The whole thing was just so stupid. I mean, like, I'm the last person who's a fraud. 
And Donna's whole thing was like, what's a bunch of rich girls getting together on a Saturday evening, drinking some Chardonnay and giving each other $40,000? What's the problem? Ladies, please. <laughs> like, no. She just doesn't fucking get it. For her to be like, I'm the last person who's a fraud. Like, no, you committed fraud. I'm not saying right. you're a fraud. I think you're actually this inauthentic. I don't think you're a fraud. I think you're exactly what you are. You committed fraud. There's a difference, girl. You're so right, but I'm kind of on their side. <laughs> no, because this leads to other shit. The fact that Jill and Donna are just like, why don't you get out there solving real crimes? Like, you all might be related to a murder. Doesn't anybody care? But we, we do see the scope of the gifting tables because Madison is like going through a spreadsheet. You guys, like the amount of money that was given over the course of time that these gifting tables happened was over $2.1 million. Right, like if there was a lot of money and we're told. So this is the early part of 2008. Everybody needed money. People were losing their jobs left and right. They were terrified. How were they gonna make ends meet? They came on the table. They weren't afraid anymore right in the thick of a recession and so suddenly like you're not supposed to tell your husband your part i mean please they were all heteronormative right. you're not supposed to you're supposed to lie to your husband and suddenly it's like hey honey guess who has 40 grand in cash but you can't say anything and then suddenly everyone on your block has lost their jobs but there you come with a brand new fucking rolls or whatever like what are you like these women they're just not smart they're so in their bubble they just didn't do it right and the thing about it and this comes up later but i'll just say it now like the problem with the gifting tables was that it stopped being just rich ladies they started going after like some of the people who were struggling like people from AA who didn't necessarily have the money and so Conway tells us if they seemed excited and didn't know how to get the money suggestions were made like maybe you could refinance your house or a boat or whatever they might have is there equity in something can you get a, a second mortgage on your house or your boat? She said, look, if you're getting a second mortgage on your boat, you've got the five grand. And also Conway, shut the fuck up because we learned that Barb was sponsoring her. Conway does not have a boat and Conway didn't have $5,000 to contribute to this. So when your sister is floating you, how dare you recommend that someone take out a second mortgage or sell their boat? I know, I know. Conway. <laughs> I think Madison just turned the episode off. I think I think Madison agrees when it comes to Conway. I, he's so nice to her. So it turns out that like Madison is talking to all these people and getting all these kind of like similar but different stories about the gifting tables. Yeah. And it turns out there was like a major rift between Team Barb, his mom, and Team Jill, yeah. the aunt. Remember, Madison went into this knowing nothing about the gifting tables. This is a real education for this jockish, straight, like 20-year-old. It's, let me tell <laughs> It's an education for me, and I am none of those things. And meanwhile, I'm like, is it too late to sign up for the Girl, don't doubles? stop it. No. <laughs> You're not allowed. I don't, like, try to control you or micromanage your life. But don't do it. Steve, do we have $5,000? You know, you know, this is going to be the return. Steve, I've been duped. I was told I was going to be a dessert, and then I, I just ended up being a salad the whole time. And I just, I, and then they told me I was going to be a dessert, but I want to be a dessert. Steve, I want to be a dessert. I need five more thousand dollars, Steve, and then I can get the lampshades, and I'll be a dessert. Steve hung up on you ages ago. You're just talking totally. into a phone that's been turned off. Totally. You're talking into the dial tone. Err, Steve. Steve, there's this weird sound coming from you. I've never heard that sound before. And it's like, err, 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 err. The call has been disconnected. Steve, your voice sounds weird, Steve. I need 5,000 more dollars. I, I, can't, I cannot be a salad any longer. I must be a dessert, Steve. 
Do you think I could get Chrissy to join the gifting tables with me? Well, if you and Chrissy are... You know what? Fuck off. I'm not doing this. <laughs> Don't you bait me like that. So there's a rift between Team Barb, Madison's mom, and Jill. Your mom and Conway decided they wanted to invite Tracy, my aunt, Jill's other sister. Mm-hmm. They felt that they were just inviting anybody on just to gift. The real point of contention was that Barbara wanted to let in Jill's deadbeat sister. Right. Because Barb was like, I let in my deadbeat sister, Conway, and look how great that's working out for all of us. And Jill is like, no deadbeat sisters allowed. And she hates her sister. But Jill's point is that Barbara's sort of team was getting so desperate for the money that they didn't care who they invited in. Mm -hmm. Like, Jill was kind of right, because it kind of leads to the downfall of the entire situation. Right, because people started thinking, wait a second, this can't really be legal. And I'm kind of getting strong-armed by these Karens saying, like, why don't I take out an eighth mortgage on my house? And people started not making money. That's the thing. When it gets to be that big, if you can't get at least eight people to come in underneath you, you're never going to get your $5,000 back. And that's what like, we eventually learned from the attorney general slash senator. Well, let me talk in general. Kermit schemes, in the end, they are doomed to collapse. Someone is bound to walk away defrauded. The people who knowingly and deliberately profit from the schemes are criminal in their intent. They never work, like whether you're Nexium level or gifting tables level, it just never works. So we're with a friend of Barb's from AA, the one who was like, she was actually like the best sponsor and she was like in AA 100%, it was really great. And this yeah, friend, yeah. and we don't see her face, and she says, We were having a luncheon. Out of my left field vision, I saw a gentleman in a black ski mask walk from the left of the windows in the front going towards East Wharf Road. Look, I I was having lunch with your mom. She's talking to Madison. She calls it a luncheon, excuse you. I know, a luncheon. And I was like, is that what, like, fancy lady? You're just having lunch at the kitchen table, right? Is it a different kind of... Why does luncheon always make me hungry for a tuna sandwich? Yeah, something with cucumber on it. Totally. (laughs) Like, little mini sandwiches. Maybe a cream cheese sandwich or something. Some tea (laughs) with a little splash of something in it, probably. If you call it a luncheon, I expect a biscuit. Come on. So she's telling Madison, look, we were hanging out at the house one day and it was the day before the murder actually it wasn't just one day it was the day before the murder and she and Barbara look up and they see this man wearing a ski mask walking across the lawn and Madison just goes that's terrifying but like terrifying is not the word Madison like a man in a ski mask call the cops well Madison wasn't there I know And so Madison is just like, okay, is this connected to the gifting tables because all of these people were involved and there was like all this drama? And so Madison, cut to Madison with Aunt Jill. He straight up is like, Did you have anything to do with the murder? No. (laughs) I have to ask everyone. It's okay. (laughs) No, no. It wasn't, it would have been impossible anyway, but no. Jill laughs very nervously. Yes. And says no, but then adds, also it would have been impossible because I totally have an alibi. But yeah, no, 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 no. But my alibi is I was on a road trip and I have an easy pass to prove it. So I totally didn't do it. Here's my alibi. You want the easy pass? I actually have it in my back pocket. And Madison goes, okay, I'm going to take a break. 
okay, I think it's time for a break. Yeah, sure. <laughs> As though Aunt Jill was in the ski mask and like skulking across mom's yard. That story I think is actually really important. So stick a pin in it. We're yeah. going to come back to it in the last episode. Yeah, Aunt Jill is garbage, but I don't think she was the one in the ski mask. Did she hire no, the person no. in the ski mask? We'll see. So we get the story that like the attorney general has been looking and like the IRS has been looking into the gifting tables. It's two years after the murder. We're back with Donna. Donna with the dogs. Donna with the dogs on the fainting couch. And she tells us that like early morning, she's like in her pajamas, her husband's away on business. She looks out the window and sees all these federal agents. And I thought, oh my God, there must be a fire or something. And I went downstairs and I opened the door and I said, may I help you? They said, are you Donna Bello? And I said, yes. And then a group of men came in and, and they, they put handcuffs on me. I was in shock. You know she's wearing one of those silk robes with like just feathers around it. And she's like, oh, oh hey, yeah. may I help you? And they're like, just, <laughs> you just hear the, the handcuffs on her. And she's like, what? It was just a dinner party. It was just a dinner party. But the same thing happens to Aunt Jill. And <laughs> yeah. Jill's here to tell us about it too. And that this is where Jill gets real mad. And she's yelling at these officers like, don't you have any real crime? To fight? Jillian and these officers really take issue with that. Well, because Jill today is like, Well, I've lost my family, my, my own family, because I'm such a shame to them. That's because they're ignorant. They're all ignorant. Well, you know, uh, it brought a lot of shame to my family when I was scamming all these people out of money. And then she's like, yeah, they don't talk to me anymore. And that's because they're ignorant. And I'm like, seriously, they're ignorant? You guys, Jill gets four and a half years in jail. And Donna gets six years. It is crazy. They were just trying to have fancy rich lady dinner parties. No, they were trying to get theirs. <laughs> don't make it about this. I'll, I'll show you a good dinner party. I grew up in amazing piano parties and dinner parties and Nobody. There was no $5,000 tab you had to pay before you got in. I'll show you a real goddamn good dinner party, girl. How dare you? Don't fall for this. So th here's how this episode ends. It ends several times, but it really ends with like this woman testifying about the gifting tables to this grand jury and they get it. And this woman is testifying that Conway, Mess Conway, was following her and intimidating her. And the like testimony says, As you sit here today, are you afraid of Conway Beach? Answer, yes, sir. Question, why is that? Answer, it's my opinion that she was involved in her sister's murder. It is my opinion that Conway was involved in her sister's murder. Her sister is Madison's mom. Yeah. And it ends with Conway being like, Some people can get to a point, I don't care who it is, where they can snap. And you snapped. I snapped. Maddie, I snapped. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I snapped, Maddie. Maddie, I snapped. And you'd snap too, Maddie, if you only knew what I knew. Um, you guys, I'm going to tell you right now, the next episode of this is available right now, ad-free at the $5 level on Patreon. So it's the conclusion to Murder on Middle Beach. It is really crazy. We get a lot of crazy theories. There is a really crazy surprise ending. Oh, my God. And you want to hear our take on it, you can go get it right now, ad-free at the $5 level on Patreon. It's going to be our regular episode next week. Yeah, and I was kind of, I didn't know what we were going to do today. I've, I've been living on Middle Beach for like weeks in preparation for this recording. So I'm just thrilled to be here, girl. Again, you are 
are always my just desserts. Oh, same to you, girl. You guys, <laughs> if you're looking for more Jillian and me, find us on the Patreon at the $5 level, over 150 full bonus episodes to download and binge right this second, including the next episode of Murder on Middle Beach. Join the Facebook group. Tell them how fun it is. We're having a lot of fun in there. You know, you're getting suggestions for other documentaries to watch. You're just, I don't know, we're the weirdos that want to talk to you about true crime at the dinner table. It's your true crime best friends on the internet. Come hang. <laughs> totally. Uh, you guys, there's no stay tuned for the trailer for the next thing because the next thing is this. So all you got to stay tuned for is the funny and hilarious outtakes, girl. <laughs> Madison, we love you. Please be our friend. I know. <laughs> That's all I want. All right. We love you guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye. What is wrong with us today? We've both been up since 5 a.m. That's exactly what happened. Do you know my quote bachelorette party was me and Mike going out to karaoke with all of our friends and they went to some party store and got stuff and the protocol was, will she hate this? Let's get it. And so it was like, oh, she's gonna hate it. And then there was a sash that said bachelorette on it. And I was like, give me a marker. And I wrote not one of those bachelorettes and wrote an S. Like, stop. You're always a dessert on my level. <laughs> Woke up this morning. That's a surprise, everybody. Wait, that was my joke for the next episode. It's Madison from Madison. <laughs> you can still do it. You can totally still do it. I'll act like I never heard it before. So every kid didn't go to school with the terror of being forced into a bathroom and cocaine injected into their arms? That was an actual fear I had. I was so afraid of drugs in high school, like literally afraid of drugs. I don't understand these kids who do drugs with wild abandon. I, the Nancy Reagan campaign really worked on me, girl. Just fear, just the fear yes. of Nancy Reagan. Thrust into your heart. But you know what she didn't mention? Vodka. She's a dear friend of both yours and mine. 